Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. All right, let's turn together to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 this morning. We're continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit, which in Galatians 5, we learn is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, who doesn't want even just a fraction of those things right now? Well, the good news is, is that we can have these things because our growth is not contingent on our circumstances, but our growth is contingent on the Holy Spirit who is with us always. Last week, we looked at love, which was first. Today, we look at joy. What would it look like to have real joy during these days? Well, to answer this, I think we should turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. I'll read to you, and you can follow along. This is God's Word. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us, And of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. This is God's word. Let me just pray briefly and then we'll see what he has for us this morning. Lord, speak now for your servants are listening. Holy Spirit, open our hearts so that we would not just learn new information, but that we would see you, Jesus, and sing when we see you. We need this this morning. We need to see you, Jesus. We need, Holy Spirit, for you to move. As we just read, it's the joy in the Holy Spirit. It's the joy of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, come. And this is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, so for most of my life, friends and family could describe me as even keel. Even keel. Have you ever thought about that word? We use it a lot, but it's a sailing term. Even keel. A keel is like the backbone of a ship. And so when you're even keel, you're sitting even in the water. And that's been me for most of my life. But if I'm honest, lately I have been anything but even keel. Uh, My moods have been all over the place these past Six weeks, And if you've ever seen that movie, uh, or at least the preview, that giant wave scene in The Perfect Storm, that's a more accurate picture of my moods lately. Uh, up and down, side to side, one minute I'm happy, the next minute I'm not. 
Now, it does comfort me to know and to realize that apparently I'm not alone. All you have to do is Google COVID mood swings. I dare you to do that. COVID mood swings. And you will find out that this is something that all of us are apparently struggling with. One minute we're happy, the next minute we're not. The days of even keel are over, it feels like. Well, what if I told you that God offers us what Amy Carmichael calls a settled happiness? Not a shallow happiness, not a synthetic happiness, but a settled happiness. What the Bible actually calls joy. Carmichael was uniquely qualified to say this. Her life was marked by affliction, yet she could say without crossing her fingers that God gave her real joy, settled joy. And in fact, her story reminds me of the passage that we just read. Paul says in verse 6, he says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Why? For you received the word, that's the message of Jesus, you received the message of Jesus in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Paul says something absolutely explosive in this verse, and I don't want to go past it. He says, that they received the message of Jesus in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. These two prepositional phrases are together, and we separate them. But in the scriptures, they are together in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So what is real joy? What is biblical joy? What is the joy that God offers? We've been asking, what is the fruit of the Spirit? And what would joy, which grows on Christians by the Spirit, what would that even look like? Well, I think if we looked at this passage, we would see two things. We would see, number one, that real joy is rooted in God. And number two, that real joy is resilient in hardship. And I want to take a look at both of those ideas. First, real joy is rooted in God, not circumstances, not comfort, not control, but God. Real joy is rooted in the real God. So, first, the nature of God. Notice that Paul says, joy of the Holy Spirit. And this is a theme all through Scripture. Real joy is rooted in God's joy. Now, maybe you only think of God in terms of His patience, or maybe His grace, or maybe His justice, or maybe His love. But have you ever thought about God in terms of his joy? You don't need to read very far into your Bibles to see that God's joy is on full display. The very creation speaks of God's joy. Genesis 1.31, after creation week, says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. He declared very good over all that he had made. Have you ever made um, a dinner, a meal? And then after you're done eating it, you sit back and you say, man, that was good. That was just really, really delicious. Well, that's what God is doing. That's delight. That's joy. God is delighting in his creation, which, by the way, includes you. Psalm 104 verse 31 says, the Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. The Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. God is infinitely joyful. Paul defines the gospel, actually, in terms of his deep joy. Not Paul's deep joy, God's deep joy. In 1 Timothy 1.11, you can listen here. Paul says, 
the glorious gospel of the blessed God. The glorious gospel of the blessed God. That word blessed means happy. God is infinitely joyful. And he has been for all of eternity. Remember, God is Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so God is an infinitely joyful community. And has been for all of eternity. Real joy is rooted in the nature of God. But real joy is also rooted in the Son of God, Jesus himself. Now, maybe your idea of Jesus is joyless. It shouldn't be. Jesus was joyful. One, one Jesus scholar points out how, number one, Jesus had to be joyful because John 3.34 says that God gave Jesus the spirit without limit. That's, that's what John says, without limit. The spirit without limit. And joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So Luke says, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Jesus rejoiced. Number two, Jesus was without sin. Imagine, imagine being without sin. Imagine what that would do. Jesus didn't experience the misery and the distraction and the brokenness that sin brings into our emotional life. Jesus had deep friendships. Think about that. You can't sustain a deep friendship. I think of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus all of the time when I think about Jesus. You can't sustain a deep friendship like that without joy, both giving joy and both receiving joy. Remember last week, Paul said, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Jesus did that perfectly. We saw that on display with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And the fourth, Jesus scandalized the serious religious people of his day. With what? Well, in part with his joy. They falsely accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. This was a false accusation, right? Because Jesus didn't need to get drunk to have joy. But it's also a hint that Jesus was the life of a party. That he brought life to a party, if you think about the wedding of Cana. In fact, John writes in his gospel in chapter 15, verse 11, that Jesus says, I came to give you my joy. And so real joy is rooted in God, the Son. And real joy, as we saw in this text, is rooted in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit. In studying uh, for this message, I was actually blown away with how consistently the Bible connects Joy with the Holy Spirit. I mean, Acts 13, 52 says, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Romans 14 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then Romans 5, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? Notice how joy and, and the Holy Spirit are always connected. And also notice how joy is connected with the word filled. Filled. Now, who is doing the filling in this case? Well, God is. We're like empty buckets. But God said here that he fills us with what? With his joy. The Holy Spirit is what connects us to his joy. Now, you all know I love hobbies. I have a new hobby just about every month, sometimes tw uh, two times a month. Uh, but lately, I've been making a lot of homemade pancakes. Not the Bisquick kind, but homemade pancakes. Um, last yesterday morning with buttermilk, so I'm upping my game. And so that had me thinking, 
wouldn't it be nice to make my own syrup? I mean, talk about leveling up. Making your own syrup. And so I did a deep dive one morning on how to make your own maple syrup. Um, I found a website called tapmytrees.com. Tapmytrees.com. That's free advertising, Tap My Trees. Uh, it's easier than I thought. All these videos are on there. All you have to do to harvest your own syrup is to drill a small hole into a maple tree, insert a tap, what's called a spile, and then hang a bucket. And the tree sap flows into the bucket, and then you boil it down to syrup. Just like making bread, another hobby I love, I think this is a theologically rich hobby. Because in the process of this, we are only recipients. Like, we're not producing anything in our own strength right now. What we're doing is we're just placing the tap. And that's not really saying much, is it? It's, not, it's really not a hobby. I mean, you're just placing a tap and then standing by um, same is true with God. He says, draw near and I will draw near to you. We draw near and we're empty buckets. We can't manufacture this. We can't pretend joy is there. We simply say, I am an empty bucket. God, fill me. This is real joy. Rooted in God. Which makes it very different from what others have called counterfeit joy. Counterfeit joy is rooted in other things. Counterfeit joy is rooted in created things, not the creator. What I call the three C's of counterfeit joy. Circumstances, comfort, and control. Now, there could be many more, but this is what I've found in my own life to produce the most counterfeit joy. When my, when my circumstances are amazing, I feel happy. Of course, when, I'm, when I have comfort, I feel happy, of course. When I have control, I feel good, of course. But this is a counterfeit joy. Why? Because the minute one of those goes away, I lose that feeling. But what if my joy was rooted in God? Then I can receive those good things. I can receive good circumstances as a gift. I can receive comfort, earthly comfort, as a gift. But I will never root my joy in them. And because I don't root my joy in them, even when they are stripped away, I can still have joy. Because my joy is in God. Sam Storm says, real joy is not the absence of suffering. Real joy is the presence of God. So real joy is rooted in God. And because of that, we see, second, that real joy is resilient. It's resilient. What does Paul say again in verse 6? And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. We see here a joy that is a resilient joy. It was received in much affliction not apart from it. Real joy is like, in other words, a resilient plant. Hard growing conditions can't kill spiritual joy. There may be seasons when it's hidden. There may be seasons when it's obscured. Seasons like what Lloyd Jones, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones called spiritual depression. These things are realities, but joy in the Lord is never killed outright. 
It may feel like your joy is getting stomped out right now. But friends, the joy that God grows on us is a resilient joy. Hard-growing conditions can't kill it. And hard-growing conditions can actually grow it. It can actually grow it. This is what happened in Thessalonica, which according to verse 6, imitates Paul and Jesus. Starting with Jesus, right? Jesus was a man of sorrows. Think about it. He was a man of sorrows, and yet this man of sorrows told his disciples not to fast, but to feast. This man of sorrows turned water into wine, as we heard. This man of sorrows wept tears of blood in the garden because of the cross. And yet, Hebrews tells us that this was for the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him. Hardship didn't kill his joy. It seemed to grow it. And this is an imitation of Paul, too. Paul had a resilient joy. His letter to the Philippians has been called the letter of joy. We talked about Philippians for a long time, uh, a while back as a church, and we kept on noticing how this word rejoice or this word have joy, or he talked about his joy, it kept repeating over and over and over again in this letter. And then we had to remind ourselves this was a letter of joy written from jail. Paul's letter of joy was written from jail, and that tells us something about real joy. It's resilient. It can actually grow in hardship. Some things in life actually get stronger in hardship. The contemporary philosopher Nassim Taleb, he calls these things anti-fragile. If fragile things break easily under hardship, and sturdy things stay the same under hardship, anti-fragile things is the third category. Anti-fragile things actually grow in hardship. Uh, when my family is in Michigan, we build fires in the hearth every day. And one of the most important tools that we use to do this is the fireplace bellow. This creates a forceful and concentrated wind, essentially. And you would think that this wind would knock the fire out, but instead, as, as it's designed, it makes it stronger. Because why? Fire is anti-fragile. I'm told that grapevines are anti-fragile, too. I recently read an article called, Why Does Bad Soil Make for Good Wine? Now, that's a theologically rich title right there. Why does bad soil make for great wine? Well, one of the major reasons grapes flourish in bad soil is because it has to spread its roots deeper and wider. This is called ramifying in order to gather resources. And so could it be, like wine grapes, the fruit of the Spirit grows best in difficult soil? Even joy, if it's real joy. See, I want us to start viewing this hard time as a bellow that could grow our joy in the Lord. You see, our Lord in the Lord, even as it blows away our idols. I want to say that again. What if we viewed this hard time as a bellow, growing our fire, growing our joy in the Lord, even as it blows away our idols? I want to start viewing this time like the hard soil in a vineyard, in a good vineyard, causing our roots to go deep and wide. We dig deeper into God. We dig wider into God. And so we produce 
fruit. This is real joy. Real joy that's rooted in God and resilient in hardship. So now you might be thinking, okay, that's really inspiring, Joe. Thank you. But that isn't my experience right now. To which I would just say, first of all, I I feel you. I really do. I feel you. I feel you. And I would also say that struggle is not new or unique. In fact, it's biblical. If you think about it, so many characters of the Bible know your struggle. You stand with David who said in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. You stand with Job. You stand with Jeremiah. You stand with Hannah. You stand even with our Lord Jesus. And then look to church history. You're in the company of C.S. Lewis, Charles Spurgeon, Mother Teresa. This is a struggle. Second, though, I would remind you that fruit of the Spirit grows in proportion to each other. And so joy grows in proportion to patience. That might be encouraging to you right now. And third, I would just say, if you can't taste it now, at least allow this vision of real joy to whet your appetite for the real thing. We may not always experience real deep joy, but we know it's there and we can always hunger and thirst for it. We can always ask God for it. And as David Mathis puts it, we can put ourselves in the pathway of joy. In fact, this is going to be really my theme (laughs) right now. Joe, how how can I put myself in the pathway of real joy. I think of my kids at the Grandview 4th of July parade. They want the most candy at this thing. And so they pick the best possible place to stand early in the parade and right there where all the action is. And they position themselves and they jockey for position in order to find that exact best possible pathway for joy, for candy in their case. Well, the same is true for For the joy of God. We can't control it. We can't manufacture it. We can't pretend. But as Donald Whitney puts it, we can, like Zacchaeus, climb the tree to see Jesus, our true joy. Prayer, scripture, which all of scripture points to Jesus. And community are ancient and proven biblical pathways that we can lay ourselves into this season. And if our heart cries, I want to see you, Jesus, and I want to have my joy set in you, Jesus, and God is doing that, and that is good news. So Hope, I want us to be a community of real joy, not rooted in our circumstances or our illusion of control, but in Christ. I want us to be a community, a grove of trees, growing joy in the Lord. Let's pray for that now. Lord, would you indeed make that a reality in our lives? May we, like the early church, receive you, Jesus, in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit.
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.